Okay, today is Sunday, March 15th, and typically on this podcast we have our sermons from our worship gatherings here at the Vine Church, but today I am sitting here with Jason Martin, one of our elders uh, at the Vine, and we are sitting in an empty auditorium at, at our church building, which just feels a little odd um, and unusual, and I think odd and unusual is, is maybe a good description for what many of us have experienced in the last few days and maybe even week or so as we kind of uh, navigate life in this coronavirus era, if you will. And so we don't, we don't know really what's ahead for us, uh, for our gatherings or, or meetings, and we'll continue to, to send out some updates on that. But as we said in, in some of the communication we sent out, we still did want to get uh, some information out and some, um, some thoughts, some devotional thoughts, some, um, some hopefully words of encouragement and, and hope. And so that's what Jason and I are going to do today. We know there are many other groups that, that have options available uh, for content, for worship, and uh, lots of stuff we know to, to take advantage of, but we're... We're grateful that, that you are taking time to, to listen to this and, and to remain connected to, to some of life at the Vine and in, in some of what we uh, are trying to do together to, to maintain some sense of sort of community during this, this time that we're all kind of trying to navigate and, and figure out what things look like here. Uh, and so we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount and we're going to continue doing that today, and it just so happened that our topic today was going to be do not worry, and that seems to be a, a fitting, fitting topic for this time, and uh, one that, that just kind of happened to fall right on this week. We didn't even have to change any of our schedule to, to talk about this today. That's going to be our topic um, and so we're going to be in Matthew 6. If you've got a Bible and, and want to turn there with us or, uh, or follow along on your phone or whatever you may be using, uh, we'll be in Matthew 6. And so what we're going to do, instead of me preaching to an empty auditorium um, where you could listen on the podcast, Jason and I are going to have a conversation, uh, more conversational about this, where I'm going to be talking some about the scripture. Jason will be interjecting some of his thoughts and uh, thoughts on, on worry and um, just some other things associated with that. And we'll go through this together. Uh, so uh, anything to add to that before we get into the scripture, Jason? Well, um, yeah, this is very unusual. And so uh, I, I don't know that this will be a, this probably won't be a regular feature of the Vine uh, podcast. I don't know, maybe it will. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I, I do want to just say that you know, in our community, I think, uh, well, probably not just in our community, but in a lot of different communities, there is a uh, heightened awareness of what's going on. And um, and we'll get into this in a little bit more in a few minutes, but there is a, an important distinction between worry and preparedness or worry and uh, taking responsible action. And uh, I think helping or having a conversation around what those differences are uh, is is an important part of, of how we work through a time like this and how we, you know, kind of remain focused on what's important in our life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, very good. And, yeah, we're just, we're just kind of figuring out some of this as we go. And so we'll, um, 
we'll, we'll, we'll get started and, and just dive right into this. So I'm going to pick up in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. And this is, this is before we get into the do not worry part, but, but I think we're going to find that it's, it's helpful um, and important to begin here before we get to what Jesus has to say about worry. Uh, so Matthew 6, 19, I'm going to read 19 through 24 right now. But Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting about this section is that if you look at this section in a Bible, if you, if you have your Bible and are looking at this, or if you have it on your phone, you'll see that it's, it's three paragraphs. And, and in this section, to, if, to, to me, the first and third paragraph almost line up and seem to fit together perfectly. Uh, Jesus is talking about treasure, he's talking about money, he's talking about where we invest our treasure and, and, and the importance of investing in, in things of eternal significance and how we cannot serve both God and money. And so the first and third paragraph almost seem to match up perfectly. And then almost as if Jesus kind of takes a tangent in the middle there, he throws in that, that second paragraph, that middle paragraph about uh, our eyes uh, and our eyes being the lamp of the body that on, on a first glance I think almost seems like it doesn't fit there. But I think what Jesus is getting at is, is this idea that whatever it is that our eyes see, whatever it is that we are looking at, is, is what our minds take in, which just seems really obvious on one level. But I think what he's getting at is this idea that what we look at is going to have a, a big effect on what we desire and where we invest our treasure. And... And that we have to be careful then about the things that we are looking at, the things that we see, the things that we are taking into our body through our eyes, because those things are going to have a, a dramatic effect on, on what we desire and, and where we want to invest uh, ourselves and our treasure and our resources and our time. And, and so he says, you know, then if, if what you are taking in is darkness, then your body is going to be full of darkness. And one of the interesting examples, I, th I think, of this from kind of modern life uh, is, is the way that, uh, for instance, Apple stores sort of shifted the way many big box retailers did business. That, that Apple, Apple stores began this trend of having all of their products out on display where you could see them, you could touch them, you could play with them. Um, and the ways in which that shifted a lot of kind of consumer uh, practices and, and buying habits because you could walk into an Apple store and, and see uh, in action what it was that they were wanting you to buy instead of other, other stores where all those things would kind of be closed off and in the packaging. And, and how that had an effect on, on consumer practices. And, and now you can see that practice um, 
copied at places like Best Buy and, and Microsoft stores where they have adopted those practices as well because of this tendency that we have of whatever it is that we see, whatever it is that we can engage with, the dramatic impact that that has on what we desire and what we take in for better or worse. Uh, and so we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of, of what we're looking at. And I think that's what Jesus is getting there, that, that whatever it is that you are, are looking at, whatever it is that you're taking in, is going to end up being where you end up investing your treasure. Uh, and so if you look right after that, the very next verse begins with the word, uh, verse 25, uh, begins with the word, therefore. And so he picks up in this section this is kind of the, the so what. Jesus says, uh, I want you to be careful about what you're looking at because what you're looking at is going to have an impact on what you desire, and, and you have to be careful about where it is that you're investing your treasure, and all of those things are tied together. Uh, and so he says, therefore, in other words, here's the, here's the so what part. Because of all that that Jesus has just been saying, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then remember what Jesus has said about our eyes and what we look at and what we take in. And now he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, Add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right, I'm going to kind of pause there and bring Jason in. Uh, Jason, what, what do you have any initial thoughts? I've, I've kind of just run, rattled through the scripture here. What do you see in here as Jesus begins to talk about worry and its connection to what we, what we let into to our bodies through our, our eyes and the things with, that we're interested in and, and desirous of? Well, the, the first thing that jumps out at me that I, I don't think I had ever noticed before um, was in 19, and, I'm, and in front of me I have the New English translation uh, but in verse 19, it says, Do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where breaks or where thieves break in and steal. Um, and then a little bit lower, when he's talking about clothing, he says, uh, You know, isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. Um, the reason why, and then 28 says, why do you worry about clothing? Uh, I hadn't noticed, but there's a direct parallel there because when he says in 19, do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth, he specifically calls out moths, which, uh, you know, moths destroy clothing. 
they eat holes in it. Specifically, the larvae in moths destroy clothing. And so what, what I hear, what I see Jesus saying is that these things are, are temporary and that, that other, people, uh, other people or other things can, can destroy those things. And so we should have our faith in the things that are indelible and the things that are, um, that, that are eternal. Um, and that's kind of the basis for, for what he's saying not to worry about is, look, these things that, that you tend to worry about are things that ultimately are going to fade away, are going to be eaten by moths, are going to be destroyed by rust. Um, don't worry about those things. Now, I can look at that and go, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Don't be materialistic. Um, but I think what, what God is, or what Jesus is also saying here is, um, you know, God is going to take care of the things you need. You know, if you're faithful and, and, uh, and just basically chill out a little bit, uh, you know, God's going to take care of it. Um, and I don't think that's uh, a, a call to us to just be idle and, and just sit on our hands and not do anything. But it is a call to us to, uh, to trust that God will care for us. You know, God cared for the, for the Israelites as they were leaving Egypt. You know, he gave them manna from heaven. Uh, God took care of Jesus in the desert when he was, you know, fasting and, and uh, for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, God takes care, took care of the um, you know, the feeding of the 5,000 when they had all those people around and no, nothing, you know, no, presumably no food to eat, God provided time and time again, God provides. And so what is it about us that we look at our circumstances and say, well, okay, yeah, God did it then, but God's not going to take care of me now. Um, Again, that's not a call to idleness, but it is a call to say, I don't know how things will go, but God takes care of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, th- I think one of the, the interesting things kind of going along with that, that that Jesus really seems to be bringing out here is just how unproductive worry ultimately is. And, and for some reason, uh, we... We allow worry to convince us that I can do more good obsessing about something tomorrow than I can taking action today. Yeah. And, and, and worry in that way. And I think it's interesting that he uses the, the, the thief language before this because I think what we find is that worry ends up being a thief and a robber for us. Mm-hmm. Because it, it robs us of our, ability, of our ability to live well in the moment. And, and it, it, it steals the, the, the joy with which God desires us to, to be living our lives. Um, and, and ultimately, it is worry that is that thief and the robber that, that comes into our lives. Uh, and, and yeah, when, when, our, when our eyes are focused on things of this world and, and when our treasures are invested in, in temporary worldly things, that is what leads us onto this path of, of worry and anxiety because our attention is going to be taken up by uh, our, our need to, to maintain those things, to upgrade those things, to protect those things, um, to make sure we have ample supply of those things. All, all of those, all of those are worries and anxieties are tied to, to kind of those temporary things. 
And, and worrying about all of that and worry in general ends up just being something that, um, that robs us of, of the life that we are called to live in Christ. And, and it seems to be what he is getting at there, just the, the complete unproductive nature and even counterproductive nature of worry when he even specifically says, you know, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Well, and, and I think that's the, the key um, lie that worry provides to us is that we think that by worrying about something, we're being productive, that we're taking care of it, or that we somehow are, um, are you know, because we're worried about it, it makes us feel like we're doing something. You know, I mean, we've all probably been in a situation either where we have said or someone has said to us, you know, you're you don't look worried about this at all. Aren't you concerned as if worry and concern are the same thing? And the answer to that question is, yes, I can be concerned about something without worrying about it because worry is a lie. Worry lies to us that we are being somehow productive or proactive or that we are taking care of the matter. It also lies to us, as Jesus is describing here, that the things we're worried about actually matter when maybe they don't. Sometimes they do, but but worrying about it, even when they do matter, um, worrying about it really doesn't help. Still doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good at all. Yeah. All it does is it... Um, it, it, I think it divides, worry divides us from God um, for the reasons that Jesus gives in Matthew 6. Um, and it, it makes us, it tricks us into thinking that our own abilities and our own um, intelligence or wisdom or whatever it may be is the solution to whatever problem it is that we're facing, which isn't always the case. In fact, usually is not the case. Yeah. Especially when it's God that we need to be relying on. Yeah. I think it was, uh, there's an author, is it Irma Brombeck? Is that how you said her name? Bombeck? Bombeck? Yeah. Okay. Um, getting my R's mixed up in her yeah. name. Uh, she's quoted as saying, worry, uh, worrying is kind of like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but ultimately doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we feel that way. It's, I'm doing it. We, we, it feels like we're doing something about it, but mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's not productive at all in many cases. It's counterproductive. And I think, you know, as I was thinking about this, so I've, I've kind of been thinking about this scripture for, for a couple of weeks because I didn't, I, I didn't preach last week. Um, and then have been thinking about it even more, of course, over the course of this week as, as coronavirus fears and concerns and worries, all of those three things being potentially separate and, and connected in people's minds, have, as those things have kind of grown, I've, I've been thinking about it even, even more. But I, I, I remember having this thought that, you know, I, I have looked back at, at old sermons I've preached before and thought, I don't know that I really would preach that anymore or <laughs> would present that <laughs> the same way. I've never quite done it where where it was the very last sermon that I that I preached, but I, I think I thankfully yeah, but I think I, I think that has happened now <laughs> <laughs> because I began thinking about something that I preached last time I preached just two weeks ago, where I said I, I, at the time I said I think uh, Jesus's command to love our enemies is I think the most 
radical, um, uh, I don't remember all the words that I used, but it's, it's kind of the most controversial, radical teaching of Jesus in this sermon. Mm-hmm. But then I, I, I've been chewing on do not worry for a couple of weeks, and I thought, I don't know that I think that's true anymore. I think it may be do not worry. Um, because I think most of us worry a lot more in our day-to-day lives than, than, than we probably care to admit or realize and, and that, that worry is probably um, much more a part of, of just our routine in our lives. And even the language of worry, as you said, is so embedded in how we think about things. Um, and, and we will say, I'm worried about, you know, fill in the blank, without even thinking that, that what we are doing is somehow separating us from God, or as you said, kind of putting a, a divider, dividing us between, between us and God. Um, and that eradicating that from our lives in, in some cases just seems so difficult. Um, but, but, but Jesus is, is teaching us here, as we've said, that it's not only is it unproductive, uh, it gets in the way of, of our seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And, and so that's what I think is interesting that as Jesus, again, talks about our vision and what it is that we're looking at, uh, how many times he focuses uh, on, on creation. And, and we've talked about this before in some other conversations, but that, that for Jesus, there seem to be, seems to be this connection between being aware of our surroundings, being aware of, of creation and, and the way that God has worked in creation, and that that has an ability to lead us to, to less anxiety and stress and worry. That as I pay attention to the flowers of the field, as I pay attention to the birds of the air, as I pay attention to what God has created, and I'm reminded that God has, has intricately put all this together and is holding all this together, uh, I can be reminded that the God who has done all that and continues to do all that loves me and cares for me and is going to provide for me, and that that should instill within us this sense of, of worth and value um, that, that hopefully leads us to less stress and anxiety and worry. But, but it's contingent on us being aware of what God has done around us in creation and seeing the beauty, seeing the value, and seeing the work that went into that. And that in doing so, um, that is part of what helps us to, to, to lead stress and to lead lives of, with less stress and less worry and less anxiety. Um, and so I want to come back now to something that you, you mentioned, Jason, kind of about the, the difference between worry and concern, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, is especially pertinent, I think, for this moment that we're in in our, in our country, in our culture, in our world, um, and, and even with, with us specifically here at The Vine, because I know there, there may be some people who see our decision to not meet today as contradictory to a message about not worrying. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, but I don't think those two things are, are contradictory. And, and I think some of that um, is, is maybe kind of helped. We, we can help explain that or talk through that by a, a discussion of this difference between worry and concern. Yeah. So can you speak to that a little bit, uh, just as how, how we differentiate those things in our, in our minds and in our actions? So as you can imagine, um, in my job as a, as a counselor or psychotherapist, the concept of worry comes up a lot. And I've kind of come up with a, a model for talking about worry with clients that I kind of, that I think is helpful. Um, and it's this, that um, if you think of 
if you were to put all of the things you're concerned about in the world and in your life, if you were to put it all in a sphere, like a ball shape, that ball would probably be pretty big. There are a lot of things that we're concerned about, whether it's, you know, just, um, you know, am I going to have enough money to pay for X, Y, and Z this month? Um, am I raising my kids the right way? Am I making the right choices in this way or that way? Um, all the way to, like, world issues. Like, I hear about a famine going on in a different country, and I'm concerned about that because, you know, I'm you know, a person who cares about human life. And so seeing those people suffer in a famine is, is worrisome or is concerning to me. Um, but also, it's, it, you know, things like the coronavirus. So as it got started, or as we began hearing about it, end of December, beginning of January in China, you know, that was of, you know, maybe mild concern at that point. But, you know, you hear about some uh, a virus developing, you think, yeah, that's concerning. Well, it's certainly even more of a concern now that it's hit us so much closer to home. So if you put all of those things in a sphere, it would be a pretty big sphere, a pretty big ball of concern. Um, and then we think about what are all of those things that we have control over, like actual, total, you know, unequivocal control. And it's an extremely small sphere, if you put all of that in one sphere, it's pretty much, you know, to some degree, it, it exists just within our own skin for the most part. You know, we have control over what we choose to say to a degree, what we choose to do, how we choose to, you know, the, the choices that we have in our life. That's, those are really the only things that we have control over. And so that's, that's a second sphere that's really small. Then there's a third sphere, which I call the sphere of influence, which isn't really something that, um, that we have control over per se, but we may be able to have influence. So, for instance, um, you know, I have two teenage kids. Let's be honest, I can't control them, but I do hope to influence them. You know, they have their own mind. They have their own ability. If, if they... You know, thankfully, I have pretty good kids, but if they just decided to go on a rampage, it would be very hard for me to stop them, you know, just because I don't have that kind of control over another human being as much as I may want to. Um, and so our decision to, to not meet as a congregation this morning, I see that as falling within our sphere of influence because this virus has been shown to be highly... Uh, transmittable, highly communicative, um, especially when groups of people come together. And so in not meeting this morning, the decision we made was to use that influence to keep the virus at bay. That if there happens to be someone who would come here who has a compromised immune system or um, or a compromised respiratory system, because I know it, it hits the respiratory system pretty hard. Um, and they came into contact inadvertently with someone who had the virus, maybe didn't even know they had the virus, may not be showing any signs or symptoms. Um, then we're exercising our influence by keeping, you know, those people separated for now. Um, and that is, that is, in my mind, not indicative of worry, 
but indicative of taking a concern and saying, what can we do to mitigate the, um, mitigate the effects of that concern? That's different than sim- simply responding out of fear. You know, there is a reason, you know, if, if we were talking, there are other diseases potentially that are not communicated so, or transmitted so easily as coronavirus, you know, uh, that there are other viruses, there are other, like, well, this isn't a virus per se, but let's take cancer. You know, if someone has cancer and they come to our church building, they're not at risk for transmitting that cancer to someone else. That's not the way cancer works. And so if we have someone in our, uh, if we had someone who had a compromised immune system and they came into contact with someone with cancer, that wouldn't be the same thing. It might provoke, you know, some fear and concern about that person and wanting to care for them, wanting to love on them. But there's no real risk of transmission of that cancer from one person to the next. Uh, And so if we just decided, oh, well, we have someone in our congregation or there's cancer in our community. And so therefore we shouldn't meet anymore. Well, that's not really acting out of. Uh, that's not re- or that's not responding out of precaution based on what we know about the situation, right? That's acting based on fear that has no basis in reality, and it's yeah. not really utilizing the influence that we have. And so, worry, as as I think of it, is obsessing over those things that are in the sphere of concern but not in the sphere of influence or control. And, and it's challenging to know exactly where that line is. You know, what exactly do I have influence over and what do I not? Well, that, that's hard to determine. And so it's, a, it's an easy uh, mistake or it's easy to, to be obsessing over or thinking about those things in that sphere of concern and it letting it turn into worry. But there does come a point where we have to say, okay, here's what I can do and here's what I can't do. Here's what's within my power or within my ability to to influence, and here's what is not. So we, as a congregation, don't have the ability to influence, um, you know, government response to the the infection. We don't have the ability to influence the biology of what's happening. But we, as a congregation, do have the ability to limit the transmission, at least among our folks here, um, and. How big of a deal is that? Well, I think it's a, in this case, it's a pretty big deal given, you know, the fact that the NBA has shut down, Major League Baseball is shut down, schools are closed, you know, universities are closed. Right. There is something to be said for that. And so I think that that's a reasonable response given what's going on here. And again, that's not to say that we're controlling the situation, but we're trying to influence the situation in a healthy way, not out of fear, not out of worry but out of recognition that we do have some ability to influence the situation in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, I like that way of thinking about it, and, and that, that idea that, that worry is, is when I'm, um, how did you phrase it, with the spheres? Ob- obsessing Ob- over what is in my sphere of concern, but not within my sphere of influence yeah, yeah, yeah. or control. I like that. Because um, I've been thinking, so we've, we've been doing a lot of driving this past week, drove back from Orlando the last two days. And so, like, one of the examples that I was thinking about kind of in this this difference between 
uh, worry and concern is that, you know, when I get in the car, uh, I put on my seatbelt. Um, and that, that that's something I have influence over to say it, it's, it's a proactive step. That right. If something happens, right. I'm, I'm, I'm making a proactive step to be safe in the event that something happens. But it, it's not a sign of worry that, right. I, that I'm worried that every time I get in the car, I'm going to, to have a wreck and, and it's going mm-hmm. to be terrible. Uh, for some people, that may be true, that there may be anxiety there. But those two things don't have to overlap. Right. The, the proactive uh, action taken out of, uh, out of a, a healthy level of concern mm-hmm. and, and kind of caution. Nor is it an assumption that... That is going to happen. That it's going to happen. Oh, well, if I don't wear my seatbelt, then I'm going to get into a car accident. Well, not necessarily, but it's a proactive step you can take to help mitigate the effects if the worst were to happen. Right. And I think that's one of the, you know, and, and I don't want this to, to completely be a, a defense of our decision not to meet today, but I, I do think it's, it's relevant to speak to because I know some may be frustrated by it, but, but I'm, I'm reminded of, of several things that I've heard people say in, in terms of, you know, if, if we go through all this and, and we cancel all these worship gatherings and school closings and sporting events and nothing ends up happening, will it have been an overreaction? Um, and I think the other side of that is that, well, no, it will mean it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which it, it will mean to say were effective. Yeah. And, and the alternative, if the alternative is many of our people, especially some of our elderly people dying as a result of not doing those things, um, then, then that would be a lot worse. <laughs> well, and I think we, uh, in this case in particular, I think we have some, um, we, we already have some examples of, how this problem can really get out of hand in, you know, in central China, in Italy, they already have a number of fatalities. And, um, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday about kind of how life in Italy is different now. And, uh, it's, they they were interviewing an American woman who, uh, is now, who now lives full time in Italy and uh, is married to an Italian man and, and is raising a family there. And she was saying how, you know, in Italy, there is this, uh, first of all, they're, they're very touchy-feely. You know, they, get, they greet each other with a kiss all the time. And uh, there are lots of hugs and uh, not just handshakes, but, you know, with almost strangers, there's a lot of touching when greeting each other. Um, there's also this sense, and I can't remember, she gave, there's an Italian phrase that I don't know Italian, I don't remember what it was, but essentially meant, I'll do what's right for me. Essentially meaning, I don't really, you know, okay, yeah, you say don't gather in places and you say not to do this or not to do that, but I'm going to do what's right for me. Well, because of the number of deaths that they've had, because of the number of infections, infections because of how far that virus has, has gone in that country, a lot of people are changing their attitude about that and realizing this isn't just about me. You know, I could get the virus and in a couple of weeks be fine. Uh, or I may show very little, very few signs and symptoms of it. But it's not just about me. It's about the community as a whole. Right. Yeah. And, and given what we know about community spread and, and how to mitigate that, um, that, that was part of the decision. And, and the idea that we are joining with others in the community to try to, to get ahead of that and, and to cut some of that off. Um, and, and so a final point, though, about some of this uh, that, that I think is, is good for us to remember and to take and is that 
another thing that Jesus gets at there is this idea that when we choose to live without worry, we show the world another way to respond. Uh, and he, because you know, when he's talking about all that, about clothing, about food, he says the the pagans run after these things, but your father knows that you need them. And and so when we choose to respond, whether it's just to day to day occurrences or to kind of seemingly big moments. Um, like like this this moment that we're in with the coronavirus concerns, when we choose to respond not with worry but with with thoughtful action, um, with with care for others, with with action that that shows love of others before love of self, we we show the world another way of living, uh, and and we show the world what Jesus has in mind when he talks about living as citizens of another kingdom. And, and I don't think that can be stressed enough in, in this season um, of, of the incredible opportunity that times like this afford us to show that, um, that there is another way of responding to, to things that happen uh, in, in this temporary world. Um, and that happens when we are looking toward things that have eternal significance, when we are filling our bodies with things of, of light and not darkness. And, and so some of that means right now paying attention to what we are letting into our, our eyes and our, our minds and our bodies through the, the pieces of, uh, of media that we take in, from the, the information that we take in, um, to, to take in things that are, that are factual, that are helpful, um, that that are informative and that are not simply fear-based or, or, or designed to, to drive up our, our anxieties or our worry. Um, and, and, and to be aware of those things, especially in this season. Um, and, and even going forward, as we've talked about, you know, we've, we're kind of in this, this year of sort of social anxiety anyways as we lead up to an election, that, that we already had a lot of anxiety around us anyways with, with all those conversations, and now you add on this kind of overwhelming conversation about coronavirus and, and concerns with that, and, and it's just another example of an opportunity we have to, to show others um, the, the way of Christ and a way of, of responding uh, differently, and to to not let worry consume us, and and so we hope that that you are taking uh, thoughtful and appropriate action, uh, following the advice of of medical experts. Um, we are we are blessed to have two doctors on our eldership who have um, helped sp- speak informatively to to our thought process and and some of our decision making, and and have been good resources for us in that. And so we, we hope that you are doing those things, uh, but we also hope that, that we are people who are able to navigate this without the sense of, of worry and stress and anxiety and dread that, that may be prevalent uh, and apparent in many of the ways that, that we see others around us dealing with it. Uh, anything else to add on any of that, Jason? Well, I just wanted to point out in verse 34 of Matthew 6, Jesus closes out this section by saying, so then do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. And in a way you could read that as kind of, you know, discouraging, like ominous. <laughs> o- very ominous. Yeah. But I read it as really a call to action. You know, don't worry so much about what's to come. Look at what's going around you today. 
What, what can you do today? What action can you take right now? What is within your sphere of influence at this exact moment of, in time that you are so distracted by thinking about tomorrow that you're overlooking? And so I, I think I see this as Jesus calling us to action today to look at what is God calling you to do? How is God calling you to live in this moment? Focus on that rather than worrying about, you know, what the future will hold. Yeah, I think that's probably a good place for us to, to sort of end off today because uh, Pam even, I think, sent out an email this morning uh, just with another reminder that uh, this is a time for us to, to be looking out for each other, to, to be aware of, of needs maybe around us. Um, and, and that we do have some supplies available at the church building. We, we have a food pantry, for instance, that is typically not used uh, by a lot of our members, but if you're in a pinch and, and are, are out of something uh, or need something, we've got some basic supplies, some food available. Uh, we've also got people who may even have some extra free time this week because of no school or work, that if you are an elderly uh, person or a, a person with um, immune immune system deficiencies or, or issues or respiratory issues, as Jason had said, that, that you need someone to, to run to the grocery store for you or to pick up some medicine and, and, and are, um, are rightfully concerned about being, you know, in the grocery store exposed to other people. Um, we want to be mindful of that and mindful of ways that, that we can help out and mindful of ways that we can um, perhaps make grocery store runs for people or, or provide assistance in that way if needed. Um, and I, I think it's a good reminder for us that that being a church does it has to be about more than, than meeting on Sunday mornings. The, the fact that we are not meeting today uh, does not mean that we cannot be the Vine Church today in community and in relation to each other. Um, we can we can check on each other. We can we can meet needs. Uh, we can we can do those things as Jason said today, um, and and be aware of of what this moment may be calling us to in in action today, uh, instead of simply worrying um, about what it means for for tomorrow and and next week and and things down the road. Uh, and so with that said, this is a very fluid situation, of course, as we all know. Um, and as we've said in, in other communication, we don't know exactly what it's going to mean for future meetings and gatherings. We know that we are, are not planning to meet this Wednesday. Um, I am planning to, to do some more of these type of, of, of podcasts, uh, especially in, in place of times when we would normally meet. So I'm planning to have at least one more this week. We'll figure out exactly what that's going to look like or, or how that's going to be done. Um, and as we continue to, we may get some practice in this and, and doing it better and more in more streamlined fashions. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, and I hope that you will uh, remain diligent in, in checking on each other in prayer um, and in, in taking care of, of, of yourself and, and each of us as, as a community as we navigate what this looks like. Any thoughts before we close there, Jason? Um. Not really. Just let's let's we'll work through it All one right. way or another. Yep. God will guide us through. So we'll continue to be in touch and and again, have some more stuff to share here and through other avenues as well. Thanks for for taking time to listen to this today. I uh, hope that it is in some way blessed your um, your day, whether you're listening to this on Sunday or at some point um, later this week. And um, I hope that, that God will 
will work through this situation and that we will be able to be people who live uh, without worry, but with faith and trust in God, and that we will look at the things around us, that we will maybe take time to pay attention to the birds uh, and the flowers as a reminder of God's care and provision, a reminder of what he has done for us, uh, and a reminder that the God who is, who is holding all of this together is at work within each of us. May that give us confidence and strength uh, and faith as we seek to, to respond differently than the rest of the world in times of difficulty, of stress, of anxiety. So thank you. Amen.